these roundtables are a continuation of the international online conference Global Crisis, this already affects everyone. This conference brought up all the crucial issues we are facing today. This conference was held on Alatra Unites platform and was organized by volunteers, by people themselves from all over the world. We would like also to remind our audience that this conference has been translated into more than 70 languages. Greetings, everybody. Today, our guests are Rolf Kellner, second chairman of Amazonia Free Develt, Osinaidi Garcia Gomez Kellner, first chairwoman for, of Amazonia Free Develt, Yuri Shevchuk, journalist, radio host, author, public figure, chairman of the Green Cross nonprofit environmental organization, Professor Nir Shabif, who is a professor at Rasach Institute of Physics in the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, Devadvani, who has MBA in finance and economics. He is an entrepreneur, investment banker, and public speaker. Also, our guest is Damien Forrest, who works at business and product development in autonomous robotics. And our next, another speaker is Rico Mangram, talk show host at the Rico No Suave TV and radio talk show. And also my co-host today will be Katrina. And now let's watch the video fragment from the conference related to the most important topic, climate. Summer of 2021, fires, floods, hurricanes, and abnormal heat waves. What is happening to the planet? You are used to hearing that global warming on the planet is due to human activity. The truth is, the problem is much more global than that, and it is rapidly gaining momentum, and there is nothing we can do to control it. The reasons for what is happening are within the planet, which has entered a period of global cataclysms. Nucleus. In 1998, a drastic shift of the planet's core was recorded. After that, the GRACE satellites and instruments on the Earth's surface detected an abnormal expansion of the planet at the equator, as well as heating from the inside. Because of the displacement of the core, it is unbalanced. With its vibrations, it creates shock waves, which are manifested on the surface of the planet by increased earthquakes and cracks on the Earth's surface. Through these cracks, a large volume of water escapes into the bowels of the planet. Molten magma rushes to the surface and heats this water. The water evaporates and escapes into the atmosphere. These enormous masses of water fall down in the form of sudden torrential rains. As the planet expanded, new continental rifts began to form. 
the number of volcanic eruptions increased. Significant tsunamis, including catastrophic ones, tornadoes, tropical storms, and hurricanes became more frequent. Floods and wildfires have become part of the daily news. Since 2015, the situation has become even worse. And today, the deformation of the planet continues to escalate enormously. Earthquakes. Earthquakes with magnitudes greater than 8.5 have increased dramatically over the past 20 years. Since 2003, synchronization of seismic noise began, which means that the Earth is preparing for a mega earthquake. According to scientists, it will occur in the Japanese archipelago and will have a magnitude of more than 10, which is 32 times stronger than the 2011 Tohoku earthquake of magnitude 9. Entire countries could disappear from the face of the Earth at any moment. Volcanoes. Since the beginning of the 20th century, the number of powerful volcanic eruptions has doubled as a result of growing internal energy of the planet. There has also been a steady increase in the strength of eruptions and the amount of ash and lava that has been released. Today, about 600 million people live near active volcanoes, capable of destroying entire cities at any moment. And every day, the probability of these events is only increasing. Glaciers. Greenland and Antarctic glaciers are losing three times more mass than 30 years ago. We are told that global warming is the cause. We are not told that the glaciers are melting from the bottom up because of the intense release of heat from the Earth's interior. For example, Antarctica is only melting on the west side where there is a huge magma chamber. Greenland's glaciers are shrinking for a similar reason. Obviously, man has no influence on what is happening. World Ocean In 2019, the temperature of the world's oceans rose 0.075 degrees Celsius above average. This may not seem much, but in fact, the numbers are catastrophic. The energy for such heating is equivalent to the explosion of three and a half billion atomic bombs dropped on Hiroshima. And this energy came from the very bowels of the Earth. Melting of the sea ice and expansion of the warming water has caused the sea level to rise by almost 15 centimeters in the last 30 years. And this is just the beginning. There has also been an increase in the number and power of storms as well as a significant acceleration of currents. Hurricanes, tornadoes. The year of 2020 broke all records for the frequency of hurricanes and tropical cyclones on the planet for all time. Because of increasing humidity and rising temperatures, the intensity and number of tornadoes has increased. They have become more frequent where they used to be rare. Since the 1950s, the number of tornadoes in Europe has increased tenfold and continues to grow. This freaking 
destroyed, Josie. Temperature anomalies and records. According to the data prepared for the IPCC report on climate change, over the past 140 years, the average temperature on the planet has risen by one degree Celsius and by three degrees Celsius in the Arctic. And we can already see the catastrophic consequences right outside the window. The period since 2000 has accounted for 19 of the 20 hottest years on the planet in the history of meteorological observations. Floods. Floods are one of the most common natural disasters that are also growing in strength. 60 years ago, only eight major floods were recorded per year. However, in 2020, this number increased by 25 times and totaled 201 cases. Moreover, they began to occur synchronously, affecting several countries at once. According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, the number of floods in the U.S. has increased by approximately 100% over the past 30 years. Between 1998 and 2017, floods affected more than 2 billion people worldwide. There's so many people dead. video was prepared for the climate section of the conference, but today we are going to talk not only about climate, but also about artificial intelligence, also about consumer format of our society. And uh, finally, we will end with a creative society as the only possible way how to save life uh, on Earth. The conference has revealed that the crisis is already running uh, at a full speed and in every field of our society. Now, I would like to pass the word to you, Mr. Mangram. What are your impressions from the video in all, and also from the conference? Uh, would you be so kind and share your impression with us? Yeah, so, you know, um, you know, being a talk show host and being able to see what's going on around the world and actually, you know, really telling, you know, my viewers, you know, what's really going on. You know, it's the number one thing about the global crisis has always been a sad issue. Uh, it's always been a sad issue where people have actually lost their lives because of floods. And I've traveled I traveled through Costa Rica. Uh, I traveled from my family in Cuba. Um, it's, and also just here in the U.S., you know, you can definitely see from California standpoint of fires, continuously fires. Um, the, the problem about it is it gets so hot where the trees are actually starting to burn. And then you have, like I have friends that's in Hawaii where there's volcanoes and and you don't see, you don't hear about it as much, but when you do hear about it, it's a sad situation. Um, and then you start hearing about, I was looking at the, um, the video about the Arctic, right? Where you're starting to see as far as water and floods, but you know, it's overall, it's, it's a sad thing every year. We understand that once you have a global crisis one year, 
you're expecting for it to actually continuously go up because we look at it as mother nature, right? We look at it as, okay, what is the world actually doing? How is it being damaged over time? Um, and I look at it as, as a sad situation of there's bombings, right? Um, we really didn't talk in regards to, I didn't see anything in regards to, you know, the video. When you talk about a global crisis, we talk about when there's wars, where there's bombings, and bombs are like Hiroshima. We look at things like that that can actually cause damage to the earth. Um, and when you hear something like that, and then you look at a video like this, and you say, oh, my God the water is actually three times as if it was like a nuclear bomb. Well, there was nuclear bombs that's been going on or during the wartime that could be damaging the earth that can lead up to times like this. Um, so I, I look at it as a, a very sad situation. I look at it as um, it's hard to repair a foundation of something like that if it's already been done, there's nothing really like California has earthquakes all the time. As they continue to have earthquakes, that foundation will continue to, to how can I say it? Um, it's going to continue to get worse. Um, Costa Rica, they had floods a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. I've never seen a flood in Costa Rica ever. The family that, um, that I know that's down there said, we just had a major flood. Well, there's a damage in regards to in Latin America, Central America, the Caribbean islands. There's things that's actually happening underneath that, that's causing the, the degradation of the foundation in order for things like this to happen out of nowhere. Um, last but not least, I'll, I'll say about Chicago. I'm in Chicago. Um, we always say, hey, you never know what the weather's going to be like here in Chicago. Well, we really don't because one minute in the wintertime, it can be, you know, below zero. Next thing you know, it's like 50 to 60 degrees out of nowhere. And we're like, well, that's just Chicago. Well, no, I think because what's happening around the world is that we're getting the after effects of what other cities may be going through when it comes to that heat wave. So, um, you know, it, the global crisis itself is, is something that... Um, that I, I, I stay on top of, and I look at what's going on around the world, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a techie guy, so I look at it from down deep, analyze and say, well, I think there's a, there's a problem with the foundation. There's something going on in regards to why things happen in the world where there's wars, there's things that's damaging, there's bombings, and anything to be able to rattle the underground um, of, of our nation. So that's my thought. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Mengren, for your words. Yes, as we can see, the climate change is we can see every day at each part of our planet. Now, yeah. I would like to pass the word to Mr. and Mrs. Kellner. Uh, what were your thoughts after watching the conference? What stuck in your mind the most from the conference? Let's start with Mrs. Kellner. Hello. Um, Hello. Uh, at first, I would like to thank you for invite today and um, to um, opportunity to speak about uh, the global the global crisis. Um, I'm sorry for my English because I today I have today um, spoken too much German, and uh, I try I try to speak correctly. 
and um, that you understand me. So um, the impression that I have from this picture is um, we see um, here in German um, very current and um, um, I see in this video that the, um, that should be a natural process of the nature. But my question is um, if the, this natural process uh, should be so fast, so rapid. Um, and um, my ascendant uh, Indian in the Amazonas, I'm from Amazon, Amazon in Brazil. And uh, we have, um, I think that we, uh, we, we should treat uh, the nature good if we not uh, um, treat the nature good, the answer is uh, like a tornado, for example. Thank you. And Mr. Kellner, uh, I would like to give you the same question. Uh, what would you say after the conference, your understanding? First of all, uh, thanks as well for the invitation and uh, to have the chance to speak with you all. And um, I lived four years in Manaus, which is the capital of the Amazon state. So it has more than 2,500,000 habitants. And uh, yes, I studied informatics, so I'm a SAP consultant, senior consultant, and uh, worked my life for this uh, big companies like Siemens, RWE, E.ON, um, which are, I hope so, thinking as well about this topic. <clears throat> and um, the question is, and this is the reason why we started with this NGO, with your own NGO, um, is that we want to help um, stop this climate crisis, if it's possible, I don't know, I'm not a scientist, which ways we have. So uh, we started with one project, which is uh, fully financed for uh, bought a house for autistic children in Manaus, but this is not the topic. So this is it's helping people over there. And uh, another Topic. Another project is um, Museum of Amazonas, Musa, it's called Musa. Mr. Masni has a link on the internet. And Filippo um, Bassi, I invited yesterday, he's the director, actual director there. And he is an archaeologist, so I think he is uh, thinking a little bit more than 2,000 years, more or less millions of years, but he wasn't able to participate today. So this is a pity. And we have another contact with a family member in Brasilia, capital city of Brazil, because um, he's working for the police over there and has a contact to the department uh, of Rio Ambiente environment. environment. But he needs help from us because it's only 20 years old or 26. 
And we uh, tried to speak with this department, but nobody is answering there. And Bolsonaro and Lula, Bolsonaro is the actual president. Lula was a former president, are fighting each against, and uh, I don't know what they are thinking. So we need a strategy to do our best, um, and we are able to take a lot of contacts which are created in the internet as well to these conferences. So it's on work. But uh, how can we stop this uh, deforestation, for instance, or what can we do um, to stop this crisis? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kellner, for your words. Uh, Mr. Forrest, how about you? What uh, are your thought views uh, on the video and also on the conference? Well, first, thank you for inviting me. Uh, so regarding these impressive images, uh, fortunately, uh, as I'm living in Europe, I wasn't directly faced with this event, uh, but maybe it's an issue we should work on because in Europe, we, we don't see directly the, the consequences of this event. Uh, and uh, this year, it's the first year that uh, Germany, Belgium and Luxembourg had, uh, uh, had very terrible floodings. Uh, they hadn't seen uh, similar floodings in, uh, in years. Um, I'm not a climate expert, but I work in artificial intelligence. And uh, maybe wh what I can say from uh, what I see is that in the last five years, and uh, maybe more uh, more importantly, in the last year, in the last two years, we see that uh, the intensity and the, the frequency of this event, uh, of this so-called natural disaster, is increasing. Uh, Vancouver just hit uh, 50 degrees Celsius this year, which is crazy. Uh, clearly, we will have to reduce our impact on the, on the environment. But I think also we can ask this question is uh, how we can use more of our technology to, uh, to let's say, better uh, master or predict this event, even if we cannot directly prevent them, uh, and also probably manage the responses uh, to these catastrophic impacts, because probably we are not ready. Uh, the example of uh, Belgium, Germany, uh, just uh, one month ago shows it. Um, and also regarding Europe, probably we are less touched by this event because um, we weren't, uh, well, we, we didn't leave them by ourselves. Uh, but we should ask more uh, to ourselves this question so how we can use uh, more our effort and especially our technology to, uh, to better manage this event. Thank you for your sharing. Thank you for sharing your understanding, Mr. Forrest. Uh, it is indeed very truthful. Our next guest is Yuri Shevchuk. Mr. Shevchuk, please, would you like to share your impression from the conference with us? Thank you. First of all, I was amazed and impressed by the scale of the conference. That was my greatest impression and feeling, basically. It was a wonderful job, great job, and it's amazing. It was done on the volunteer basis. It's just wonderful. 
And secondly, it, is, it was very interesting to observe how nature seems to be acting, you know, like a conscious being, like something that possesses a mind. And it turns out that there was such a certain plan which nature had, and nature acts according to this plan, and it conducts such type of actions. Of course, it's not so, but it looks like this. On the first sight, there is such impression arising. I remember that in the years of my childhood, the rivers were more full, uh, full with water, but now they are little, like little springs, which just uh, rolling somewhere between the hills. And in my childhood, I was said, don't go there because you can drown there. But now, not, even a frog would not drown in such a river. So I really uh, want to say that the changes in climate have been going for throughout the existence of humanity, and of course, they are not always due to, to the anthropogenic factor. But of course, they relate certain, uh, to a certain extent to a human activity, but not as fatal as it seems to many people. But um, from this, we, we shouldn't make a conclusion that we cannot do anything at all. We can do a lot, and we should try to do this. At the conference, I saw a lot of people who are already ready to do something, and they are already acting. And that was my second great positive impression of the conference. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shevchuk, uh, for sharing your thoughts. Thank you that you said that this climate changing is not about the anthropological factor, but it's about cyclicity. Mr. Vadvani, can you share your views, experience or impression on the conference? Well, um, I'm not an environmentalist, neither am I a climate expert. But I can tell you that I studied in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts in the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. And back in the day, you know, I had you know, colleagues at Harvard and uh, MIT and Brown and many of the colleges in Boston. And they were already talking about climate change back then. And the fact that we have the North Atlantic drift, greenhouse effect, the ozone hole is undeniable. Now, I'm an economist actually, and I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a banker. So this is not my area of expertise, but the economic impact it's having just because humanity functions on greed and fear plain and simple this is pure greed so today I talk to you from Dubai this is the fossil fuel capital of the world it won't be in 15 years I can promise you that Renewable energy has to take over. But unfortunately, the politicians are putting profit 
and economics ahead of the planet. And you cannot negotiate and you cannot bargain with Mother Nature. That's all I have to say. I'm no expert. But I know what I don't know. And I know that it is stupidity to negotiate when it comes to our, our sustenance as human beings on this planet. So I don't understand what people are, all these climate accords and these uh, conferences they have. And there's a negotiation. They have carbon taxes. You cannot monetize this, guys. If there's no planet in the next 50 years, what are we even discussing? Plain and simple. I mean, hopefully I will be dead by then, but not the next generation. So it's, it's just pure, simple logic and it's pure stupidity on behalf of capitalism that has got us to where we are. Because the Western world basically started with, with you know, fossil fuels. And then the developing countries tried to become developed nations and follow the same business model. And because of pure economics, we are where we are at today. Because I'm Indian. So today, India and China are one of the biggest emitters of fossil fuels. But shame on America. I studied there. I love America. But shame on America. Because America isn't doing its fair bit. So, my view is that this is economically driven. And it is highly irresponsible. You can call me a, it's an ideological uh, outburst, but that's how I really feel, guys. Thank you, Mr. Badvani, for your words. Mr. Kellner, as we were able to see that in the conference, there are anomalies happening within the rainforest, and it is already starting to produce more carbon dioxide than oxygen. It is shifting towards this. What can you tell us about this and what negative impact does this have on a human life? Mm. That's difficult because um, the state of Amazon is okay. They don't have a lot of uh, deforestation, but the state of Pará, Tocantins and so on, the northeast, uh, is changing. So uh, politics um, from Bolsonaro, I don't know if this affects the deforestation because um, it exists since 20, 30 years since uh, the world is existing. Um, so I think we need to speak with somebody over there who has the right numbers. Um, in Germany, politicians are totally against Bolsonaro. 
they want uh, the other president, ex-president Lula back. Um, that's the tragedy of Merkel and co. But um, Germany and Norwegia, Norway. Norway had an Amazon Trust, um, which is stopped. So no money is going to Brazil anymore. And if you are opening YouTube, for instance, and uh, searching something there, Norway uh, uses for deforestation, not for uh, arresting projects. So there is a lot of politic um, in the way. So the, the politicians, I don't know if we have luck to do anything. The other uh, topic is the CO2 topic. Uh, in your conference, 12-hour conference, you explained everything about CO2, and about uh, the middle of the earth. So, in, for instance, in Grönland, um, the heat is coming from above and not from this uh, jet stream. So uh, nobody says this in the media. I need to speak with somebody who has his numbers in the hand, which uh, doesn't um, depend on any politicians. Maybe we have a strategy to do something. If we have this, we need to search the money to do the right way. Thank you, Mr. Kellner, for these important words. And as you have touched upon the Amazon rainforest, Mrs. Kellner, what is the alarming situation at the moment with the state of the Amazon rainforest? How negatively does it affect life on, on the entire planet? Um, the, the situation in the Amazon, um, we have this, um, um, this two arm every year. And um, now we have the, the, the big uh, Amazon river. Uh, that we have um, more than 30 centimeters um, flood. We have a flood too, but um, in the, um, the fire that the maiden um, to show um, a current, um, that's um, that happens uh, every year. Um, since uh, always, I don't know why um, they uh, show uh, uh, us horror. Um, some things that for us normal, not uh, I. I think I, I say not good, but I say that's um, not surprising for the people that they live. Thank you, Mrs. Kellner. Uh, 
Mr. Shevchuk, you were talking about the fact that ecology doesn't influence the environment on Earth as much as the cyclicity of climatic disasters. Can you tell us from your professional view in more detail, what is the difference between ecology crisis and climatic crisis? Regarding the environmental crisis, by environmental crisis, we usually understand some anthropogenic impact on nature. And nobody denies it, of course, it is, uh, it, it does exist. But the thing is that anthropogenic impact is actually what is relevant for the last two centuries when we had this industrial revolution and we started actively burning the minerals and mineral resources mineral fuel that's when the so-called greenhouse gases appeared although in greater amounts than before but of course uh, in addition to greenhouse gases emitted by people and human activities the nature also emits such gases but basically it is considered that these two centuries two last centuries is when the anthropogenic factor started to exert the greatest impact on the biosphere and we came to the situation which we have right now in actually in actual fact this situation is cyclical and every 1500 years it's uh, like one of the cycles because there are actually many cycles uh, researches ascertains that there are about 17 cycles in nature in fact but i will speak about one cycle which is the bond cycle of 1500 years every 1500 years we have almost the same like a part of our planet becomes totally inappropriate for living conditions by di different reasons and from there people just begin to escape this is what is called uh, migration of nations which happened oh, one and a half thousand years ago the great migration which was due to drought in steppe region in Central Asia. Uh, and before that, if we uh, scroll back uh, another 1500 years, 3000 years ago, there was another Aryan migration by the Aryan peoples. And every time it was due to the uh, destruction of civilizations and with uh, some new cultural changes and let's say new cultural paradigms in the on the planet and so the changes of morals ethics aesthetics etc so every time there is such an impression that as if you know some someone just erases everything that people have done before that and people have to begin everything from the beginning not quite so not from the very very beginning because we still have a lot of left up to the roman empire but still we had three centuries which were called the dark centuries and at that time culture basically and civilization they were actually in stagnation they didn't develop and only afterwards after again 
climate change when there was this the climate optimum in the Middle Ages. Then we actually began to develop culture, arts and civilization as a whole in Europe and in all other parts of the globe. Once again, I emphasize that all these events were happening actually at the same time. Even in the undiscovered yet America, in the old world, in Europe, and I guess in Australia as well. But we don't have data about that. This is the situation we have. And these events were happening actually before the moment when the last glacier left, the Valdai glacier. And our entire anthropocenter actually is now split into, you know, the cycle is split into 1,500-year cycle. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shevchuk. These are very important information that you shared with us. Professor Shaviv, can you tell us about the factors of climate change that humans have no control over? And how important is it for people now to consider and talk about all the factors of climate change? And also, do we have the resources today uh, to be able to adapt and survive? Um, indeed, uh, a human, okay. It, Humans have had uh, some effect on the climate. Uh, I'll mention it in a little bit at the end. Uh, but besides that, uh, there are a lot of variations that we see uh, on various timescales. Uh, over the past, uh, or on timescales of uh, centuries, for example, uh, we see variations which are typically of order one degree, uh, and we can attribute that to variations in uh, solar activity. Uh, on longer timescales, uh, actually it's centuries from, say, millennia, on longer timescales uh, of uh, tens of thousands of years, uh, we have seen ice ages uh, come and go, and uh, these are uh, probably due to what's called uh, the Milankovitch cycles, which are changes in uh, the orbital parameters of the of, of, uh, Earth, like the, the amount of electricity, the uh, um, inclination uh, relative to the orbit, and so forth. Uh, on longer timescales, uh, still, uh, on timescales of uh, millions of years, uh, we see variations. Uh, some of them uh, can be due to changes in the atmospheric composition, uh, which are due to, say, volcanic activity and also activity, um, like tectonic activity. Uh, but these are very short, uh, very slow changes. Uh, in addition to that, we see that our uh, galactic geography also affects the uh, climate here on Earth. Uh, so on these long timescales, the variations that uh, typically we witness, okay, so on, on Milankovitch cycles, we see variations which are typically, say, five degrees globally, maybe a little bit less. On geological timescales, we have variations which are maybe up to uh, 10 degrees uh, globally. Um, over the past, say, billion years, we have seen uh, periods during which Earth has had glaciations and the intermediate uh, periods uh, which is actually the norm, uh, where we didn't have any ice caps uh, whatsoever. Now, uh, Earth, uh, sorry, the human contribution uh, that uh, we have been responsible for uh, is comparable to the solar activity, uh, namely something which is of order uh, one degree. Um, so everything 
uh, adds up to a changing uh, climate. Um, and the size, of course, depends on the time scale that we're looking at. Thank you, Professor. How can artificial intelligence serve the good of all mankind? Mr. Forrest, how should our society change for artificial intelligence to be able to serve every person and not just a few individuals? What are the ethical conditions for worldwide implementation? Uh, well, thank you for the question. It's a broad question. Um, well, I think that it's not a matter of uh, of technology because uh, well, if you have some experience in, uh, let's say, new new technologies like AI, uh, robotics, you can see that uh, it helps us uh, resolving many issues. For instance, on climate, you can better predict uh, climate. You, you can uh, better understand these events with artificial intelligence. Um, so probably the and it, it doesn't limit to climate, of course, because of artificial intelligence we can help us on many issues regarding uh, agricultural efficiency, uh, health issues, uh, also uh, on uh, well, let's say uh, having more hazardous job doing by uh, may done by uh, robots with AI uh, than humans. Um, so the, the matter is not the technology is probably uh, well for uh, for climate here yeah, I think it's a matter of responsibility because uh, as we have seen together uh, uh, maybe we are not fully clear on the, the responsibility of this uh, of this disaster is it uh, due to the cyclicity or and what part is due to uh, the effect of uh, of humans on the environment so what what I would say is that well, for AI to, to be better used, and it's already uh, used for many applications for goods, but we should do more. Uh, well, is that as a society, uh, as investors, uh, as politicians, and also as individuals, uh, we should favor our investment on technology that, uh, that will produce more goods than wrong? Uh, it's the case, if you look case by case, technology by technology, you have to see that... Uh, so technology are more for uh, only cost reduction and uh, others are, are more for uh, helping us uh, solving uh, problems that are really difficult to, to solve, like the climate change. Uh, so I don't, I don't think there's, a, there's an easy uh, answer, uh, but um, well, we should definitely invest more in, uh, in technology for the good of the environment. Uh, I don't have the exact figures, but... Uh, Looking at some figures like the, inv the investment of, uh, on the market, sorry, for uh, artificial intelligence in biotechnology is just 1 billion euro, where the market for uh, logistics services is 50 billion euro. For climate, I guess it's the same, probably it's limited to 1 or 2 billion euro. Uh, and we should definitely put more money, but for that, we need more, uh, more notion of responsibility. Thank you, Mr. Forrest. As we were able to see, and as you mentioned, artificial intelligence can be very useful and helpful, but not in the consumer format of society. The crude reality of today's consumer society is that the unnecessary workers, not only blue color, but also white color, will be simply laid off. Such examples can already be observed in Asia 
where we can see ports, factories, and even banks with no people. In the consumer society, corporations recklessly pursue their interests and profits in the first place, cutting costs, laying people off, destroying the environment. You might think that we can rely on the social security system of our countries, but will the 10% of people still having jobs, will they be willing to finance the 90% of people without a job? This minority will be neither able nor willing to carry such a burden. This will only lead to social unrest and everything that comes with it. Mr. Vadwani, in your opinion, what is the danger of developing and implementing artificial intelligence in consumer society? How do you see the consumer crisis that we are about to face and already facing and it has actually already started. Are there any necessities that we as humanity need to do in order to survive it? I'm very, uh, I'm a 50-50 man because I'm a, I grew up as a capitalist. And when I went to the States and studied as a young Indian boy, capitalism was something that I truly believed in. And it's not just artificial intelligence, it's also technology that has taken away jobs. So without giving you a big lecture, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that the population is growing and the job market is shrinking. So we have a social responsibility. That is number one. But more importantly, as we evolve into this, into the AI, and tech space. I believe the education system hasn't caught up with the reality of the times. Because I'm an MBA and a CFA. My degrees today mean nothing. My skill set in the 90s, you know, is of very little value today in 2021. So the fact of the matter is, is the education system catching up with the changing times? Because when I grew up, it was either you're a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, an accountant, a banker, or whatever. And today, those many of those professions will be dysfunctional in the next 10 years. Robots can do surgeries today. Stockbrokers don't exist. There used to be a three-man cockpit on an aeroplane. There used to be a pilot, a co-pilot, and an engineer. And today it's a two-man cockpit. The engineer is a computer. I can go on with the examples. We'll have driverless cars. That's what Elon Musk is going to be rolling out. So an ordinary person who basically seeking employment could drive an Uber, but today you will have driverless cars in the next five to 10 years. So 
it boils down to the education system because the next generation you know i have my friends kids who come to me for counseling and they're asking me what should i do and honestly guys i really don't know because i have to upgrade my skill set i'm an mba and a cfa i have to keep upgrading my skill set to be relevant in today's society so what worries me is the next generation and the education system what are we going to teach the next generation so that they can basically be relevant with ai and technology that is my biggest concern it's all about education thank you mr vadavani for your comments on this topic yes it is really true now mr mangram we appreciate your you for inviting our participants of alatra international public movement to your talk show and let people know about the creative society project thank you for your deep understanding that people should know about it this creates a great example of how the media should help to bring the information on what op- on what option we as humanity have to pass through the upcoming climatic changes what should the what should be the role of this industry what should they do to inspire people in building a creative society why is why is it important that the media bring positive examples so one of the one of the biggest things about being in media is to make people aware of what's going on um the whole objective if it's bad or if it's good um there's always a flip side to everything when it comes to the media there's always conspiracy theories right there's always ways that hey i have my thoughts and i want to share this with the world and let's see what the world comes back to be able to say hey is this the right path to be able to go down um and then make a decision from there um i kind of listened to um the gentleman uh right before me uh he made up a good point in regards to education um and education is the is the key education in regards to my talk show is to educate people in regards to things that they need to be aware of and then they make their own decisions but it's almost as if the education has to happen from our youth and also for the elderly right so that means that whatever that we're trying to get across in regards to a creative society we have to let people know that the positive image or the positive ways that we have to go about educating people and for them to be able to make their own decisions is the right way to go now of course this world is all about let me make my decision it's my choice and then move from there but the media is the way to actually get that out there because once they start to talk about it boom you have them everybody knows about it so now that everybody knows about it it's like you're promoting an idea when you're promoting an idea people tend to see what that idea is and then they continue to talk about it either if it's good or if it's bad it's always a promotion it's always a way of educating them to say hey you can go and talk about this but here's is here is the foundation of what we're trying to to get out and that's basically what my show is about 
positivity all day. Uh, positivity in regards to what I want to be able to bring out to the audience and out to the world. But then, of course, it's all about what the world wants to be able to take from that. So, hope that helps. And I totally agree with you that the, the role of media is to uh, educate people and to bring uh, positive uh, to the people each day. Uh, dear viewers, let us now let us now watch a video interview with uh, Dr. Yusuf uh, Sidani. Dr. Yusuf Sidani is a professor of leadership and business ethic at the Olayan School of Business of American University of Beirut in Lebanon. This interview was taken for the roundtables after the conference. Hi. My name is Yusuf Sidani. I'm professor of leadership and business ethics at the Hulayan School of Business at the American University of Beirut, Beirut, Lebanon. I have background in, in business. Uh, my undergraduate degree from AUB, from American University of Beirut, was in business. I have an MBA from Indiana University and PhD from University of Mississippi. There are several crises that face humanity nowadays. Some of these crises pertain to to the environment and things that are around us at the, you know, in the ecosystem. But I think many of the more inherent problem, uh, problems relate to uh, issues of how people can talk to each other. Our inability to be able to live with each other, to, uh, to talk to each other, to understand each other, to tolerate each other, cr uh, leads to crisis in the other areas. We understand that the resources are getting more scarce the uh, things that we use in production are becoming less abundant. People cannot stand, um, I mean, motionless regarding the problems that they face. If we only wait for others to solve our problems, then everybody will be waiting for somebody else to solve their problems. People need to take the, the, the initiative in solving their own problems and the problems of, of, of their communities. Uh, some people, by definition, they feel more motivated, more um, more incentivized to, to be proactive in solving the problems of society. That's fine. We need leaders and we need followers, but we need to be able to communicate properly, assess problems properly, and bring, uh, you know, bring forward proper solutions to the common problems that we face. Many communities from various, you know, from various continents, you need, uh, you need contribution from the less prosperous nations as well as the contributions of the more prosperous nations. It's very much like offering a medicine to, to somebody. If the doctor does not really ask about the, you know, how, how the person is feeling, about, uh, it, it, it becomes a very, uh, very uh, intense diagnosis of problems, which require the contribution of many individuals. What unites all people is they are human. And when we, when we go back to the basics, our humanity, then we can understand each other. We understand that we come with various languages, ethnicities, races, religions, various cultures, various backgrounds, various philosophies. But after all, we are people, we are humans, and we, we need to understand that this is the basic uh, common thing that uh, brings us together. When we go back to our humanity, we'll become better people, and we be, we'll be able to solve together our community's problems.
Dear viewers and friends, as was mentioned by Dr. Sidani, that our society must be based on love and respect for one another. We should learn to communicate and respect one another. Mr. Kellner, how do you see a creative society where human life has the highest value and why it is important to build such a society now, taking into the account occurring climatic events on the planet? Um, Earth, as well as all of us, were, were created by God, right? And not by politicians. I think uh, this is the most important thing. So we need to hear to our heart to do the right things. was short form and everything else you explained in your conferences for about 12 hours per conference. So for this, uh, we are here and uh, we will work what uh, is saying our heart and not Merkel, Bolsonaro, Lula and so on. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Kellner. And uh, now I would like to ask you, Mrs. Kellner, uh, from your point of view, how can creative society help the entire ecosystem of the Amazon rainforest? Um, my opinion? Yes. Um, we, um, not only the nature to respect, but the people um, to to respect, we have to learn to respect each other, and so we can uh, work together that to protect the nature and so to uh, treat the nature um, good. Thank you, Mrs. Kellner, Mr. Shevchuk. Would you agree that only a society where human life would be of the highest value can help us cope with the climatic crisis that is already going on right now? I don't know whether it will just help, you know, cope with all the crisis, with the climate crisis in particular. I would like to say once again, Again, that climate crisis is not what depends only on ourselves. These are climate changes which have a cyclic character, but the fact that we can help each other and this way to minimize our losses from this disastrous condition which we are now coming, yes, that's for sure, we can help each other. And, and we should also take into account that these cyclic changes have been taking place not for the first time, and we, we can see how people actually used to react to such changes, how they created certain communities, 
which helped each other at least in the time of the medieval uh, Middle Ages when there was a little the so-called Lesser Ice Age. What, what they done in the antiquity when there was this anti-climatic minimum. And going back to history, we can say that every time only those communities survived who undertook the functions of education, preservation of knowledge, spread of knowledge and creation of something new, a creation of a new information. And those were monastery communities, schools, the first universities which were established, and all of them preserved the knowledge and uh, thus preserved humanity and religions as well. That's what I think. It's also regarding what kind of people will be demanded in the future. Uh, there is such a test. Try to take like eight minutes, a short period of time, eight minutes, and try to think of a subject or a machine or a method which uh, was never invented by people before, but which will be inevitably demand it once you invent it. This is such a creative test. Not many people pass it, but people who pass these tests will be demanded in the future. For your valuable opinion. I would like to pass the word to Professor Shavif and ask his opinion on the society we should build in order to preserve life on this planet. I think uh, uh, natural disasters are a relatively minute problem. Uh, we think, I mean, we might see it in the news as something uh, large, uh, but natural disasters have been with us for ages and they will continue to be here. And they're not, a big, uh, they're not really a big problem when you consider it compared to other uh, problems uh, we face. I think most of uh, society's problems are uh, social. Uh, we have seen uh, the unrest, for example, that, uh, um, uh, for example, in my, my neighbors in Arab countries the, with the uh, Arab Spring, uh, we see uh, that a lot of uh, social uh, unrest, which I think are a much uh, greater problem that uh, we should uh, tackle. Uh, we should make sure that more countries become uh, democratic. We, make, we must make sure that uh, more societies advance uh, technologically and socially so that they will be uh, able to tackle uh, natural disasters that do take uh, place. Um, I mean, uh, I'm an optimist, uh, but I think that uh, we should invest our resources in, uh, in social problems and uh, that would make uh, everything more resilient to tackle natural and other, uh, and other problems. Thank you, Professor Shavi, for your optimism. Dear Mr. Vadvani, how important is it for us to unite in order to create a creative society in which human life will be of the highest value? The biggest thing that concerns me today is the rich poor divide. So like I shared with you in my interview a few days ago, the top 1% of the planet actually owns 99% of everything. 
And this is published by the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. And out of the top 1%, so let's say we have 7 billion people on this planet, 70 million people own 1%, I mean 99% of everything. Now this is a very scary stat. And out of that 1%, back when it was in Davos, I think about four or five years ago, the World Economic Forum, they said 42 people owned half of everything. And today it is under 25 people that own half of everything. In my opinion, capitalism has failed. I grew up a young Indian boy, US educated, believing that capitalism was the answer. But today I believe that capitalism has failed middle class society. And this is something that concerns me gravely. And governments today believe the only answer is to print more money. And all that does is add to inflation, which basically the middle class is getting squeezed every single day. So I'm worried about a social revolution at some point, because understand, the US has a welfare system, Europe has a welfare system. India and China don't. I'm Indian. I don't get any handouts. I have no medical plan by my government. Neither do I have any kind of welfare plan if I'm unemployed. Unlike the Western world. And China is much the same. So I'm very worried about the rich, the rich poor divide and the injustice of the inequality of wealth. That is not, there's no trickle down effect to the middle class anymore. That is my biggest concern. Thank you, Mr. Barvani. Let's hope all our viewers will be inspired with your words and will join the Creative Society project. No, Only by unification. A prayer to everyone. Guys, like I said with you, you know, you know, I'm still a child at heart. Can you imagine if the developed nations just cut their spending, their arms spending, their defense spending by 10% and pass that benefit on to the middle class in a corresponding manner. You have no idea the economic impact it would have on the working class people. But it's a fantasy. I'm a dreamer. So I mean, just uh, sharing a little childhood fantasy that I have in my head. It'll never happen though. Yes, I totally agree. Would you agree, Mr. Mangram, that 
media can help us to build this dream. And it is important that they share the positive views on how the society should function and what should be the relationship between people. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a go figure. It's kind of like I've already built my creative society here in Chicago over the last three years. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because it was kind of like the icing on the cake when the both Olgas came on to my show and kind of made it of something that we've done already uh, with building talent. From talent to musicians, to activists, to people of a movement, um, to, to people that actually is doing great for the world already. Um, during the pandemic, I learned a lot. Well, I learned a lot from people, but I also learned a lot in regards to how to be able to be positive during the pandemic. Uh, and one of the things is it's all about human nature. It's all about the love that we have as a show to show our viewers that we can still love each other during this pandemic to be able to basically build the talent to support each other and also be able to have a great society. I think the media is always going to have um, a say-so in regards to anything that's actually happening in the world. But one of the things is, is that humane, being a positive person, or if you're doing something great that's for um, the world in general, you need to be recognized for it. And if you're not recognized for it, then shame on a person not recognizing you. Um, and I think because there's so many things that's going on within the world, well, especially in, in Chicago, there's, you know, there's things that's happening where our youth are dying. Um, and our youth is actually dying, but I'm also bringing in the youth that's actually doing something great for the world to be able to show the other youth that, hey, you can still live to be great. Uh, you still have a way to be able to show your talent and be the best you can be. Um, so I think, you know, the media is, and that's one of the reasons why I love to be on TV and I love to be in front of people is because we have to be able to have a voice. Some people are shy. They don't like to be on TV. They like to make safe things outside. But as the media, for me, I love to voice that opinion because then what happens is I connect one person to another person to another person and then you have that creative society as well. So, Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mangan. Dear guests and viewers, we are happy to announce the next international online conference, Global Crisis, The Time for Truth, which will take place on 4th of December 2021. This conference will be dedicated to the climate and environmental catastrophes we are facing today and also in the near future. Dear guests, dear speakers, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your participation in today's roundtable discussion. We hope to see you again. Dear viewers, Thank you very much for your attention. All comments and questions you can send to us to our email address info at alatraunites.com. We also would, uh, would like to ask you, dear guests and also dear viewers, share conference global crisis 
this already affects uh, everyone. Share it with your neighbors, with your family, with your friends and community. Thank you very much and have a nice evening. Thank you. Спасибо огромное. Замечательно.